to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so these days as we are all separate and apart from one another, but joined electronically. And that's how we're doing this particular version as produced by the irreplaceable, the persistently and consistently irreplaceable Sean Powers. He has decided to do things in a Zoom-like fashion, and that is how we are doing it. As I am joining from Office HD alongside this week, it is Hannah Gooden and Matt Stewart. Hannah, as I bring you into the conversation, where are you and how are you? Hey, I'm so happy to be back on the podcast. I've been working with GPB News and, you know, we're all getting that sports itch. So I'm glad to be back on. I am broadcasting from my couch in Smyrna, Georgia, with my sidekick, Luna, the Boston Terrier. So we are hunkered down here in the living room calling in on Zoom. So that is how Hannah is doing it. And then the third member of the three-way dance this go-round is the play-by-play voice of GPB's Football Fridays in Georgia, Matt Stewart. Matt, greetings, salutations. How are you and where are you? Well, I'm uh, coming to you from my basement office in my Cobb County home. Um, I've been doing a few articles here and there for uh, GPB News. In fact, if you go on our website right now, social media, you'll find the uh, interview that I did with Rush Probst. Uh, several days ago, and we're going to reference that here in our conversation in just a few moments. But uh, yeah, it's been a pretty tough spring. My entire, you know, college play-by-play schedule got wiped out by this COVID-19. So I'm anxiously counting down the days till we can hopefully get football started. All right. And obviously, Matt, you mentioned it, and that is the lead story, and I think pretty much here in the Southeast when it comes to High school football as everyone's waiting to figure out what's going to happen next. And we'll get into that a little later on with your conversation that you had with uh, executive director of the GHSA, Dr. Robin Hines. But the lead story in a lot of different places is the return of Rush Probst, and it's to Valdosta to coach the Wildcats. Yeah, this is a very interesting, uh, I don't know what kind of analogy you could draw. Is this like going from Auburn to Alabama or going from like the Chicago Bears to the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Valdosta and Colquitt County, going back to the days when it was Moultrie High School, they've been playing each other, I don't know, close to 100 years. Yeah. So uh, it, it certainly makes for an interesting situation, uh, you know, rush back after a unceremonious firing by Colquitt County amid controversial circumstances and all that's covered in the uh in in the interview and uh, and then joining a valdosta program that's also embroiled in controversy after the uh controversial firing of alan rodemaker at the end of last season so uh wow i'd say south georgia is uh wow the, the high school football season in south georgia is going to be pretty crazy And business has already picked up where it's concerned. Obviously, uh, everybody can go to gpb.org slash sports. Check out Matt's one-on-one that he did with Rush. And I also caught up with him to kind of ask the question that uh, you were trying to come up with, Matt, come up with a parallel as to what this is from someone who coached in Moultrie, who's now coaching 45 minutes away and went through some other topics as well. So uh, Rush is a part of it with uh, 
part A with you, part B with me, and obviously this on Monday. And I know that, Hannah, as we bring you into the discussion here when it comes to Rush Probst, I know that you're looking forward to pursuing the story as well in the coming weeks. Yeah, I want to talk to coaches and see what they think about the change. And I'm also kind of curious to see what the Valdosta community thinks. So my in-laws live in Valdosta. And Matt, I know you're going to disagree with this. But as soon as news breaks in the South, as everybody knows, you get a mass text chain. And coming from them was not a positive vibe about Probst taking over the head coaching position. They were actually pretty angry about it on text. Matt, what would you say that the community is feeling right now? I would think as it comes to Rush Probst, my experience, you know, having covered him now for, I don't know, golly, a decade or more, uh, there's no middle ground. You either love him or you hate him. He's either legendary or infamous. And that usually depends upon uh, which sideline you're on. Yeah, so I'm going to be researching that, looking into what the community thinks, looking into what surrounding coaches and former opposing coaches think about this big move. So look for that next week. I also want to ask you guys, what is your favorite <laughs> Rush Probst memory? Okay, so I'll go first. Uh -huh. <laughs> so five years ago, I was reporting at the Corky Kill Classic, sideline reporter. Uh, I think it was on Fox Sports South. And... The producer said, all right, Hannah, you are going to dump a ice bucket of water, a bucket of ice water over Rush Probst's head. Before and or after? It was back when the, the ice bucket challenge was going on, right? So I said, you want me to take this cold bucket of water and dump it over Rush Probst's head? I go, does he know about this? And the producer was like, um, yeah, we mentioned it. And I said, oh. okay. So halftime comes, and I've got the bucket of the water, and I'm looking at Coach Probst, and I said, you, you, we're, about, we're about to do this. And he was like, all right. He went with it. He really didn't know, but I poured ice water over his head, and it, I'll never forget it. <laughs> and I know that, Matt, you and I shared actually the same memory when it comes to his time at Colquitt County. And it's an interesting one in the idea that we're kind of pulling the curtain back behind uh, television production, and you see right. how in tune he is with the game in front of him, but also with his surroundings. Yeah, I've never had, and I'll let you finish up the story because you were actually um, in conversation with him. Uh, you were uh, a closer part to the story than I was. I'm up in the booth. And um, calling the game, it was the state championship game. I forget which one. It was the 14 or 15, one or the other, uh, one of their two consecutive. But anyway, um, there in the old Georgia Dome, they would show our game broadcast up on the big screen, uh, which, of course, are nothing compared to the big screens in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But uh, suffice it is to say, they were showing it. And we put a graphic up. Basically, it was kind of a rush approach resume graphic during our broadcast, you know, with his number of wins and state championships, region titles, blah, 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 because they were well in front. They had a big lead 
I think it was late in the game of the state championship. And uh, I get a, I get a message from you or from our producer, Steve Graham, that Rush noticed in the graphic that we had miscounted his number of wins. Uh-huh. And I've never had a coach on the sideline in the middle of any game, much less a state championship game, notice uh, <laughs> that the number of wins being credited to him was not correct. I was the sideline reporter for that particular game, and I'm on the call with sideline. And because I just want to hear what Rush is is talking about this late in the game and and what it's like. And he notices me listening to him and he looks at me and he says, the graphic is incorrect. Tell tell your guys in the truck, the graphic is wrong. And so through our communication that we have from the field to the truck, I'm relaying this from Rush. And at one point, I actually leaned the microphone toward him so the truck can hear Rush saying what he wanted to say into the truck. And we eventually uh, fixed the graphic on the air after a couple of minutes. And so he got to see uh, the the graphic. He looked it up on the big screen, saw the graphic was incorrect. And then we fixed the graphic, GPB and uh, the commander, Steve Graham, and everyone in the truck fixed the graphic. We put the new graphic up, and I point yep. to the point to the new one and so he looks at me uh, he looks at me pointing up to the big screen and then he nods his head and then we went on with the game but just to, it gives you an idea as to how three-dimensional a thinker rush is that he's paying attention to a game <laughs> that he still is you know that he still is in the process of coaching but at the same time he notices his surroundings at all times and that was yeah when we when hannah came up with that question matt you and i came up with the same thing yeah i mean Certainly in in the course of, of calling so many games as we all have done in our careers, we've noticed graphics wrong and we will hit what is called a talk back uh, in our, you know, system and, and tell them, hey, look, the graphic, hey, that, that graphic's wrong, needs to change, there's a mistake. You know, that happens not a lot, but sometimes it does and we communicate with the producer and they'll fix it. Um, but I've never had a coach do that. Uh, most coaches are like, uh, I didn't even know the game was on television. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rush corrected our graphic. It was probably my uh, most unusual memory with no, him. No doubt about it. So uh, once again, reminder, go to gpb.org slash sports. Check out Matt's one-on-one that he did with Rush. Check out my column that I had with him as well to kind of discuss some topics that weren't necessarily X's and O's based. And it was more about environment and being back and those kinds of things. And Hannah is going to have her work coming up in the, the next little bit about South Georgia and what South Georgia thinks on the whole about the return of Rush Probst to Valdosta. And Hannah, speaking of what you've been up to, let me go to the next story. And it has to do with actually sports that you can do from, well, your office or your couch or whatever. And it's really turning into the next big thing when it comes to high school athletics, not just in the state of Georgia, but around the country. What'd you find out? Yeah, John, it's interesting. You know, there's no live sports right now on ESPN or, of course, GPB Sports. So there is a silver lining, though. I did some research, and in the world of Georgia esports, it has risen 20 to 30% in the last month because of the coronavirus pandemic. And if you don't know what esports is, competitive online gaming, gamers, for all you gamers out there. So I was able to catch up with Steven Rosenberger. He goes by the gamer tag Kodak, and he's one of the top players 
players on the ATL Reign, and they're one of the top teams in the country for gaming. And it's interesting because he has noticed the big rise in viewership. Of course, they're practicing from home, and they use an app that they communicate with the coaches about strategies, and so they're still playing. But it's really interesting, this huge rise in fandom and participants and viewership of esports right now across the entire state. So I was following that story and it was really fun to catch up with Kodak and he had some concerns about the future of esports being able to interact with his fans. So although the viewership is huge right now, they did have a big homestand at the Coca-Cola Roxy that was supposed to happen last month. And they're 3-1 and on the season, but they could have had another big win in front of all of their fans. So it's just really interesting to see that huge rise, John. No doubt about it. You know, you've seen uh, cable networks broadcasting esports, and it's become a, a big part of this gap that we have with live sports on television. You see NASCAR with iRacing and Indy with iRacing, things like that, where you can still have drivers interact with what's going on. Now, Matt, I was a guy growing up who had uh, Mattel Odyssey, uh, it was a uh, uh, Magnavox Odyssey 3, Mattel and Television, and I now, as an adult, have the Atari reboot video game, and that's about yeah. the extent of it for me. What about you growing up? Yeah, no, uh, I never was a big esports guy. I, I did come along, giving away my age, in the uh, time when arcades were big. And we used yep. to go and blow money playing Pac Man, Miss Pac Man, Galaga, oh, yeah. stuff like that. But that, that's about the extent of that. I will say, though, and again, esports, it's, it's uh, over my pay grade, but my son, Zach Stewart, is ranked in the top 1,000 in the world. Well, in a yeah. game called Siege, and I'm not even sure what that is. But he's also a member of the UGA eSports team, which is a, a club-level sport, if you will. So, <laughs> Did not know that, you're, that Zach was ranked in the top 1,000. No, he's, he's really yeah, – he, uh, he even has a Twitch channel where he, like, gives pointers, I guess, on how to play the game, so – Wow. All right. Well, if I ever get to the point to where I'm playing the, the, the man, market. look, I'm all for it, man. I'm like, uh, Zach, if you can make a living at it, go for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Considering how many people watch on Twitch and how popular it is more power to you, but Hannah's uh, John, I'm a, I'm a Mario Kart. I'm a Mario Kart girl. See, just checking, but no, just if, uh, see, just to get the, the background of how big esports is getting, not just uh, on the professional level, but even down here in the state of Georgia in on the high school level, Hannah's got a great piece at uh, GP. John, yeah. 110,000 viewers for yeah. these online tournaments. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. up from 60 to 80,000. I mean, unbelievable. It's, so let's see, I, you know, and I'm going to have to do some math while we're talking about the next story with Matt, but that's, that's a lot of ratings points when it comes to, that's like getting a four or a five when it comes to ratings on television just through stuff on Twitch channels. But uh, now big esports is huge. It is still growing and it is blowing up. And so Hannah got to catch up with folks there. Go to, go to the sports section at gpb.org, catch up with that as well. And uh, one last thing that I wanted to update folks on, I know that the three of us are a part of the, the vast majority of folks that would like to get things going uh, on the other side of uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, but 
Uh, Matt, you got to catch up with the executive director of the Georgia High School Association, mm -hmm. Dr. Robert Hines, recently as well to kind of get the lay of the land and how difficult it is for the GHSA to navigate things athletically. Not that we want to put uh, academics to the side at all, because that is, that is just as important here in making sure that, uh, you know, senior years are lost and, and you want to continue the learning, but everything, but you got to catch up with uh, Dr. Hines and find out what a challenge it's been like for the GHSA right now. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking forward to the high school football season, because obviously the spring season is lost and there's nothing that can be done about that. And looking forward to the high school football season, that's the next big thing on the horizon. And uh, when I talked to Dr. Hines and uh, Mr. Hines, I guess he's Dr. Hines, uh, Robin Hines, and the story is posted on our website. You can find it on Twitter, too. Um, and he said they're probably still a good two months away from having to make tough decisions about what they're going to do about the high school football season. I think the biggest concern among him, and I talked to Brian Appling, Bryant Appling, the Buford coach, Tim McFarland, the Blessed Trinity coach, talked to, talk to Rush about this too. Uh, the big concern is what they're losing is the strength and conditioning program. And football is a different sport from all the rest. You have to go through a strength and conditioning program just to get ready to practice. <laughs> and then you practice to get ready for the game. So you've got to get ready. You've got to build your body up to be ready for practice. You don't show up for practice out of shape or else you're just going to, you know, there's going to be so many injuries. So uh, I think that's what they're really concerned about. Uh, Robin felt like if they could start strength and conditioning programs uh, in the week after the dead week, and the dead week is traditionally the 4th of July holiday week, in the, on the Georgia High School Association calendar where there's nothing going on, if they could start strength and conditioning in that following week or even the week after, they feel like they could still start the season on time. And I guess the, the first week of games is somewhere in between the 15th and the 20th. I don't know the exact dates, but something like that uh, in the month of August. Um, but outside of that, if it gets pushed back, they feel like they would have to you know, uh, possibly delay the season. Uh, there is some built-in wiggle room, if you will. Uh, the regular season is a 10-game regular season played over the span of 12 weeks. And then you have some room in the back end, you know, if you wanted to push the playoffs up to, um, you know, the state finals could be played the week before Christmas. Exactly. Even the, the week – or even – yeah, in the years past, in old days – in, in old, you know, in, the, in in years past, until really relatively recently, the state finals were about a week before Christmas instead of two weeks before Christmas, as they are now. And plus, there, I mean, I guess there's nothing that says you couldn't play the state finals after Christmas too, before New Year's or whenever. Uh, you know, I, I think we're in a, we're in uncharted territory, and you know, much like college football is going through, there's lots of discussions about. You know, will the season be delayed? Will the season be played on time? Will the season be shortened? Uh, and nobody really knows. I think, you know, by and large, I think the prevailing notion is among a lot of people is we just might have to do things differently this year. It might not look like it has always done in the past or until we can get back to what would be normal um, but would that be better than not playing at all? I think personally that answer is yes. And I think personally 
coaches, players, administrators, fans, everybody would love to have a normal season. But if they can't have a normal season, they'd like to have some kind of season. Even if it isn't perfect, it's better than having no season at all. And Hannah, the, you know, Matt mentions all of the, the different dynamics that we have here involving the return of high school sports. And what we're seeing is interesting ways for coaches to stay in touch with their players. And Matt mentioned conditioning. I'm seeing high school football coaches on their Twitter accounts retweeting workouts that they're seeing from other coaches as a way to make sure that their athletes are, are being talked to and still being coached and still active in the process, even if the workouts aren't by the letter what they've done in the past, they're still finding ways to get this stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. I also did a story on the Buford baseball team and catching up with head coach Chess, Stuart Chester, um, awesome guy to talk to, by the way. And he was saying that from a baseball standpoint, because the spring season is a wash, that teams are reaching out through Twitter, like you just mentioned, John, and they're asking them to send um, their video highlights through Twitter. And they're communicating a lot on social media. They're talking to universities, they're talking to professional teams, scouts, all through these social media platforms, sending their highlight reels. And one thing that Coach Chester said was that this could either hurt or help the seniors. So especially the bubble guys, the guys that are right there on the edge, is a school gonna take a chance on them? Or are they gonna say, no, we think we've seen enough, we're not gonna go that route. So it, it's interesting to see, it's heartbreaking. It was really hard covering that story because the players and coach was so emotional over their spring baseball season. So it's definitely something to take into consideration for football as well, where these teams are going to start reaching out on social media and getting their, and their highlights and we'll have to see what happens. That is it. Yeah. Go ahead, if, if I can add on the baseball story, because I also did a story about that, uh, talked to Doug Jones, the mill Creek, uh, head coach who at the time they were ranked number one in the state in the max preps rankings and number four in the nation, they were having a fabulous season. So you can imagine their disappointment. Talk to Scott Strickland, the Georgia coach. Talk to Corey Collins, who's one of the top catching prospects in the nation, likely going to be a high draft pick. He signed with Georgia, so he'll have a big decision to make. And I talked to Jeff Otterson, who is the, you know, is the administrator, the instructor for the Georgia Jackets travel ball program. They have 18 teams ages 9 to 18 or 8 to 18. And – the upstart is, you're right, the seniors, it's just terrible for them. They lose that season. From a recruiting standpoint, the juniors are the ones being impacted the most because this is the season where they start to be evaluated, and they've lost that senior season. Now, if the travel ball season can come back this summer, that would be huge for them to be able to play travel ball at, at least somewhat this summer and even the fall season for baseball players in the travel ball will be huge, especially for those juniors, rising seniors who have missed out on kind of the big recruiting push for them. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. And that is our first look at the new normal when it comes to where we are right now, as we are all staring at uh, the pandemic involving COVID-19 and the coronavirus restrictions. And we just wanted to catch up with everybody in uh, the state of Georgia and everybody that uh, listens to the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Before we go, just uh, wanted to send a quick shout out to uh, Tommy Palmer, 
part of the GPB Sports family who is, is recovering from uh, surgery recently in Savannah and just wanted to send our love uh, as a group to Tommy uh, as he is part of the family. And that's what we do to family around here is that uh, we open up our arms, love him as best we can, uh, however we can do it these days. But we just want to give that shout out to Tommy before we signed off for this week. So for Hannah, for Matt, I am just John. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. As always, you can pick up the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. It is available across the board. Just find your favorite podcatcher. Do uh, Football Fridays in Georgia in quotation marks. Subscribe, like, listen, pass it on. Don't forget to also be a part of the conversations on all of the GPB platforms on social media. Now, uh, Hannah, let me see if I've got this right. It is. Oh, gosh, here we go. (laughs) Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Snapchat. Is that right? Yeah, you nailed it. Wow. That's the first time for everything. So like, friend, and be a part of the conversation on all those different platforms. As always, the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast is produced by the irreplaceable Sean Powers. Play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next time. to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.